Section 19 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 6, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Section 19. When it was the five hundred and eighty-fifth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the old trot related to the young lady the tale of the bitch, and recounted the case in her cunning and deceit, with the view to gain her consent, and said to her, When the enchanted beast came to me, and wept, I reminded her, How often did I not warn thee? But my advice profited thee not. However, O my daughter, seeing her misery i had compassion on her case and kept her by me and as often as she bethinketh herself of her former estate she weepeth thus in pity for herself when the lady heard this she was taken with great alarm and said o oh, my mother by allah thou affrightest me with this thy story why so asked the old woman answered the lady because a certain handsome young man fell in love with me, and hath sent many times to me, but hitherto I have repelled him, and now I fear lest there befall me the like of what befell this bitch. O oh, my daughter, rejoined the old woman, look thou to what I counsel thee, and beware of crossing me, for I am in great fear for thee. If thou know not his abiding-place, describe his semblance to me that i may fetch him to thee and let not any one's heart be angered against thee so the lady described him to her and she showed not to know him and said when i go out i will ask after him but when she left the lady she went straight to the young man and said to him be of good cheer for i have played with the girl's wits so to-morrow at noon wait thou at the head of the street till i come and carry thee to her house where thou shalt take thine ease with her the rest of the day and all night long at this the young man rejoiced with exceeding joy and gave her two dinars saying when i have won my wish of her i will give thee ten gold pieces then she returned to the lady and said to her i have seen him and spoken with him on this matter I found him exceeding wroth with thee, and minded to do thee a harm. But I plied him with fair words till he agreed to come to-morrow at the time of the call to noon prayer. When the lady heard this, she rejoiced exceedingly, and said, O oh, my mother, if he keeps his promise, I will give thee ten dinars. Quoth the old woman, Look to his coming from none but from me. When the next morn morrowed, she said to the lady, make ready the early meal and forget not the wine and adorn thyself and don thy richest dress and decoration whilst i go and fetch him to thee so she clad herself in her finest finery and prepared food whilst the old woman went out to look for the young man who came not so she went around searching for him but could come by no news of him and she said to herself what is to be done Shall the food and drink she hath gotten ready be wasted, and I lose the gold pieces she promised me? Indeed, I will not allow my cunning contrivance to come to naught, 
but will look her out another man and carry him to her so she walked about the highways till her eyes fell on a pretty fellow young and distinguished-looking to whom the folk bowed and who bore in his face the traces of travel she went up to him and saluting him asked hast thou a mind to meet and drink and a girl adorned and ready answered he where is this to be had at home in my house rejoined she and carrying him to his own house knocked at the door the lady opened to them and ran in again to make an end of her dressing and perfuming whilst the wicked old woman brought the man who was the husband and housemaster into the saloon and made him sit down congratulating herself on her cunning contrivance presently in walked the lady who no sooner set eyes on her husband sitting by the old trot than she knew him and guessed how the case stood nevertheless she was not taken aback and without stay or delay bethought her of a device to hoodwink him so she pulled off her outer boot and cried at her husband is this how thou keepest the contract between us how canst thou betray me and deal thus with me know that when i heard of thy coming i sent this old woman to try thee and she hath made thee fall into that against which i warn thee so now i am certified of thine affair and that thou hast broken faith with me i thought thee chaste and pure till i saw thee with my own eyes in this old woman's company and knew that thou didst frequent loose baggages so saying she fell to beating him with her slipper about the head and crying out divorce me divorce me whilst he excused himself and swore to her by allah the most high that he had never in his life been untrue to her nor had done aught of that whereof she suspected him but she stinted not to weep and scream and bash him crying out and saying come to my help o moslems till he laid hold of her mouth with his hand and she bit it moreover he humbled himself to her and kissed her hands and feet whilst she would not be appeased and continued to cuff him at last she winked at the old woman to come and hold her hand from him so she came up to her and kissed her hands and feet till she made peace between them and they sat down together whereupon the husband began to kiss her hands saying allah almighty requite thee with all good for that thou hast delivered me from her and the old woman marvelled at the wife's cunning and ready wit this then o king said the wazir is one of the many instances of the craft and malice and perfidy of women when the king heard this story he was persuaded by it and turned from his purpose to slay his son and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the five hundred and eighty-sixth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that when the fourth wazir had told his tale the king turned from his purpose to slay his son but on the fifth day the damsel came into him hending a bowl of poison in hand calling on heaven for help and buffeting her cheeks and face and said to him o king either thou shalt do me justice and avenge me on thy son or i will drink up this poison cup and die 
and the sin of my blood shall be on thy head at the day of doom. These thy ministers accuse me of malice and perfidy, but there be none in the world more perfidious than men. Hast thou not heard the story of the goldsmith and the cashmere singing girl? What befell the twain, O damsel? asked the king, and she answered, saying, There hath come to my knowledge, O august king, a tale of the goldsmith and the cashmere singing girl. There lived once in a city of Persia a goldsmith who delighted in women and in drinking wine. One day, being in the house of one of his intimates, he saw painted on the wall the figure of a lutenist, a beautiful damsel, beholder never beheld a fairer or a more pleasant. He looked at the picture again and again, marvelling at its beauty, and fell so desperately in love with it that he sickened for passion and came near to die. It chanced that one of his friends came to visit him, and sitting down by his side, asked how he did, and what ailed him. Whereto the goldsmith answered, Oh, my brother, that which ails me is love, and it befell on this wise. I saw a figure of a woman painted on the house-wall of my brother, such an one, and became enamoured of it. Hereupon the other fell to blaming him, and said, this was of thy lack of wit. How couldst thou fall in love with a painted figure on a wall, that can neither harm nor profit, that seeth not, neither heareth, that neither taketh nor withholdeth? Said the sick man, He who painted yonder picture never could have limbed it save after the likeness of some beautiful woman. Haply, rejoined his friend, he painted it from imagination. In any case, replied the goldsmith, here am I dying for love of the picture, and if there live the original thereof in the world, I pray Allah Most High to protect my life till I see her. When those who were present went out, they asked for the painter of the picture, and finding that he had travelled to another town, wrote him a letter, complaining of their comrade's case and inquiring whether he had drawn the figure of his own inventive talents or copied it from a living model to which he replied i painted it after a certain singing girl belonging to one of the wazirs in the city of cashmere in the land of hind when the goldsmith heard this he left persia for cashmere city where he arrived after much travail he tarried a while there till one day he went and clapped up an acquaintance with a certain of the citizens who was a druggist a fellow of a sharp wit keen crafty and being one even tied in company with him asked him of their king and his polity to which the other answered saying well our king is just and righteous in his governance equitable to his lieges, and beneficent to his commons, and abhorreth nothing in the world save sorcerers. But whenever a sorcerer or sorceress falls into his hands, he casteth them into a pit without the city, and there leaveth them in hunger to die. Then he questioned him of the king's wazirs, and the druggist told him of each minister, his fashion and condition, till the talk came round to the singing girl and he told him, She belongeth to such a wazir. The goldsmith took note of the minister's abiding place, and waited some days, till he had devised a device to his desire. And one night of rain and thunder and stormy winds, 
he provided himself with thieves' tackle and repaired to the house of the wazir who owned the damsel. Here he hanged a rope ladder with grappling irons to the battlements and climbed up to the terrace roof of the palace. Thence he descended to the inner court and, making his way into the harem, found all the slave girls lying asleep, each on her own couch, and amongst them reclining on a couch of alabaster and covered with a coverlet of cloth of gold, a damsel, as she were the moon rising on a fourteenth night. At her head stood a candle of ambergris, and at her feet another, each in a candlestick of glittering gold, her brilliancy dimming them both, and under her pillow lay a casket of silver, wherein were her jewels. He raised the coverlet, and drawing near her, considered her straightly, and behold, it was the lutenist whom he desired, and of whom he was come in quest. So he took out a knife and wounded her in the back parts, a palpable outer wound, whereupon she awoke in terror. But when she saw him she was afraid to cry out, thinking he came to steal her goods. So she said to him, Take the box and what is therein, but slay me not, for I am in thy protection and under thy safeguard and my death will profit thee nothing. Accordingly he took the box and went away. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and eighty-seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the goldsmith had entered the wazir's palace he wounded the damsel slightly in the back parts, and taking the box which contained her jewels, wended his way, and when morning morrowed he donned clothes after the fashion of men of learning and doctors of the law, and taking the jewel-case went in therewith to the king of the city, before whom he kissed the ground and said to him, O king, I am a devout man, with all a loyal well-wisher to thee, and come hither a pilgrim to thy court from the land of Khorasan attracted by the report of thy just governance and righteous dealings with thy subjects and minded to be under thy standard i reached this city at the last of the day and finding the gate locked and barred threw me down to sleep without the walls but as i lay betwixt sleep and wake behold i saw four women come up one riding on a broomstick another on a wine-jar a third on an oven peel and a fourth on a black bitch, and I knew that they were witches making for thy city. One of them came up to me, and kicked me with her foot, and beat me with a fox's tail she had in her hand, hurting me grievously. Whereat I was wroth, and smote her with a knife I had with me, wounding her in the back parts, as she turned to flee from me. When she felt the wound she fled before me, and in her flight let drop this casket, which I picked up, and opening, found these costly jewels therein. So do thou take it, for I have no need thereof, being a wanderer in the mountains, who hath rejected the world from my heart, and renounced it in all that is in it, seeking only the face of Allah the Most High. Then he set the casket before the king, and fared forth. The king opened the box, and emptying out all the trinkets it contained, fell to turning them over with his hand, till he chanced upon a necklace whereof he had made a gift to the wazir to whom the girl belonged. 
Seeing this, he called the minister in question, and said to him, This is the necklace I gave thee? He knew it at first sight, and answered, It is, and I gave it to a singing girl of mine. Quoth the king, Fetch that girl to me forthwith. So he fetched her to him, and he said, Uncover her back parts, and see if there be a wound therein or no. The wazir accordingly bared her backside, and finding a knife wound there, said, Yes, O oh my lord, there is a wound. Then said the king, This is the witch of whom the devotee told me, and there can be no doubt of it, and bade cast her into the witch's well. So they carried her thither at once. As soon as it was night, and the goldsmith knew that his plot had succeeded, he repaired to the pit, taking with him a purse of a thousand dinars, and entering into converse with the water, sat talking with him till a third part of the night was past, when he broached the matter to him, saying, Know, O my brother, that this girl is innocent of that they lay to her charge, and that it was I brought this calamity upon her. Then he told him the whole story, first and last, adding, Take, O my brother, this purse of a thousand dinars, and give me the damsel, that I may carry her to my own land, for these gold pieces will profit thee more than keeping her in prison. Moreover, Allah will requite thee for us, and we too will both offer up prayers for thy prosperity and safety. When the warder heard this story, he marveled with exceeding marvel at the device and its success. Then taking the money, he delivered the girl to the goldsmith, conditioning that he should not abide one hour with her in the city. Thereupon the goldsmith took the girl and fared on with her, without ceasing till he reached his own country, and so he won his wish. See then, O king, said the damsel, the malice of men and their wiles. Now thy wiseers hinder thee from doing me justice on thy son. But to-morrow we shall stand, both thou and I, before the just judge, and he shall do me justice on thee, O king. When the king heard this, he commanded to put his son to death. But the fifth wazir came in to him, and kissing the ground before him, said, O mighty king, delay and hasten not to slay thy son. Speed will oftentimes repentance breed, and I fear for thee lest thou repent, even as did the man who never laughed for the rest of his days. And how was that, O wazir? asked the king. Quoth he, I have heard tell, O king, this tale concerning the man who never laughed during the rest of his days. There was once a man who was rich in lands and houses and monies and goods, eunuchs and slaves, and he died and went to the mercy of Allah the Most High, leaving a young son who, when he grew up, gave himself to feasting and carousing and hearing music and singing and the loud laughter of parasites, and he wasted his substance in gifts and prodigality till he had squandered all the money his father left him. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 19. Recording by Rhonda Fetterman.